This is the Cork Today replay on C103. A very good morning to you. Yesterday we started the programme with the news that was breaking overnight on tragedy from the Lebanon and of course all of the papers had already been gone to press by the time that news story broke so all of the papers today dedicating and rightly so many many column inch inches to this story with the United Nations investigators now saying they're trying to establish whether the death of an Irish peacekeeper was an opportunistic killing or was a part of a planned attack. Private Sean Rooney died as he desperately tried to steer himself and his three colleagues. We're now finding out more details that he was actually driving the vehicle and he was trying to steer them to safety after coming under fire in Lebanon. The nature of his death is being viewed as murder in Irish military circles. The circumstances which led to the Irish unit often approved route from their base to Beirut Airport. That's going to be central to the investigation. Eight members of the Defence Force were travelling. Now, they were in two separate armoured SUVs when they somehow became separated. Private Rooney's vehicle was then surrounded by a mob in a village which is known to be under the control of the militant group uh, Hezbollah. Now that organisation has denied they were anyway involved in the death of this young soldier but our own Defence Force Minister uh, Simon Coveney has not accepted their version of events and of course then as we spoke about yesterday one of our own uh, Private Shane Carney also seriously injured while two other officers sustained less serious wounds. Now it is expected that Private Rooney's family will be offered a funeral with full military honours for the uh, 23-year-old, but it will be up to them to decide if they want such a public event because, you know, that's a a huge, huge event when there is a funeral with full military honours. But I also was glad to see that it's understood that the government jet will be deployed if it's deemed necessary to speed up the process. And, you know, there's often criticisms of the government jet being used needlessly or to take a minister because they need to get there faster and could they not have gone on a commercial flight but I don't think there is anyone in this country would take any kind of offence to the government jet being sent out to bring back the body of of Sean Rooney and bring the body back to his family as soon as possible so that they can get a funeral underway and the uh, Ralph Regal in the Independent and a lot of the other papers covering this as well the father of the of the of Shane Carney lit a candle of hope thousands gathered uh, to pray for his recovery last night the small village of Killa in East Cork I'm told fell silent as the local priest Father Tim Hazelwood urged everyone to pray for both uh, Shane and for uh, Sean Uh, now the family uh, Shane's family were amongst those who uh, gathered his his uh, parents uh, Paddy and his mother Phil and his sister Amy but I'm reading that hundreds gathered outside the church of St John the Baptist and many were simply standing there carrying candles Father Tim said the tragedy in the Lebanon had shocked everybody locally and Killer GAA Chairman Jerk Scully said the Kearney family were held in and are held in very high esteem locally and everyone in the community was determined to support them. And of course yesterday on the programme I spoke with Cork East uh, TD 
James O'Connor and James telling us he played juvenile hurling with Shane uh, Carney and as he said to us it's been a huge huge shock for everybody in the community because he was saying you know a village like Killa it's a tight knit community and everybody knows everybody and therefore everybody rallies to support everyone so everyone will be rallying uh, to support the uh, Carney family and the death of Private Sean Rooney is the 88th death of a serving member of the Defence Forces. Irish military personnel have lost their lives over the years on a number of different foreign missions, including Liberia, the Congo, East Timor and the Middle East. Uh, and enlisting their names and uh, ranks where they where they served, you know, there's been just 80, now 88 of them, you know, the army are saying we salute every each and every one, one of them. Now, the killing of Shane Rooney is the first fatality in the Lebanon, and that's since the death of four soldiers who died on Valentine's Day, but that was back in the year uh, 2000. And actually, that particular tragedy, and I remember uh, that when four of our army members were killed, they were travelling on a road to Beirut when the minibus they were travelling in skidded on an oil slick and overturned. It was actually a road traffic accident. That particular group were on a bit of a break and they were going to the airport to go in on holidays. That was an absolutely real tragedy, but they are listed as part of the 88 who have died uh, as serving members of the Defence Forces. And in total, 46 soldiers have died while serving in the Lebanon because somebody was asking that yesterday how many uh, lives have been lost it's 46 in total of which 15 of them were killed in the line of uh, duty so it's just it is so so sad and once again though we we think of everybody in Killa but we in particular think of Shane Carney who we know now he has had an operation he's He's in a hospital in the uh, Lebanon and he's getting, by all accounts, the best of um, attention, medical attention. But all we can do is to continue to pray that he makes a full and a speedy recovery and that we can get him back home to Killa, back home to his parents, back home to his sister and to all the rest of his extended family and uh, friends. And we will continue to keep Shane Carney and his family in our thoughts and prayers, along with uh, thinking of uh, poor Sean Rooney and his family as they have a very sad funeral ahead of them. Uh, may he rest in peace. Hey, what's up, Ben? Say morning, Patricia. I want to give a big shout out to Mallow Hospital. I've been in there for the past two weeks and to really express the level of care and professionalism and efficiency, I'd be taking up too much of your programme today. From the nurses and staff in the assessment unit to Dr. Kylie and his team to all the nurses and all of the housekeeping staff, a big, big Thank you. In spite of the huge waiting times and overcrowding that we hear about in other hospitals, we are so, so fortunate to have Mallow General Hospital in our midst and especially the wonderful way they manage it. Take a bow, wishing, wishing each and every one of them a happy Christmas and a healthy new year. And that's from, it's signed, a, a very well cared for patient who was in St. Joseph's Ward in room two. <laughs> I've no name on that. Thank you. And I love people who take time out to recognise particularly staff like that and Mallow General Hospital is it's a wonderful wonderful facility thank you and good to know that you're home in time for Christmas as well and then Mary was on to us yesterday to say that she had a flat tyre the previous day she was in Castletown Roach and she asked this man if he would help her to pump the tyre she wasn't too sure how to do it he put the money into the machine 
pumped up her tyre and then Mary said she wanted to give him something to say thank you because it had been so nice and he'd taken time out and I don't know if he'd used his own money or Mary had given him the money to put into the machine there was a time when the air in your tyres you got it for free but now you have to pay for the air that you put into your tyres so Mary just said she doesn't have a name or anything on this uh, gentleman so that would have happened on Wednesday but she'd just like us to uh, publicly say thank you maybe he is listening and to say that it really shows there are still great kind caring people out out there in the world in this busy world in which we live there are people willing to take a few minutes to help out somebody not too sure what they're doing yeah I'll help you out no problem at all so to that gentleman in Castletown Roach on Wednesday well done you certainly made Mary's day and thank you Mary for contacting us for people who shop in Mallowtown please be aware that clamping is now in operation at the Market Square Underground Car Park with a new three hour parking limit and it appears it's not just for the Christmas period it's in permanently local councillor Gerald Murphy has taken to social media to warn shoppers and uh, he joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Garode. Hi, Patricia. How are you doing? I'm very well, and you're welcome to the programme. Now, this has always been a, a car park that offered free parking with no time limits. It's still free parking, but there's now strict time limits involved and the dreaded clamping has, has come in. Do you know why it's changed? To the best of my knowledge, I think there were actually always time limits on it, but what has changed is enforcement. So, I think that three-hour limit was there previously, but it's just, it would have been a bit more lax in terms of enforcement. Um, what happened was there was a new enforcement contract with ACOA, which started on Wednesday, and I think signage was put up about it. I'm not sure about some of the other rules then. There's rules such as, of course, you can't be parked over the white line, but I've heard of cars being clamped because of that. And also... Uh, a rule I wasn't aware of at all was that if you're parked and you're seen leaving the shopping centre, you can be clamped. So uh, I suppose at the outset I should say as well, the car park is operated privately by the shopping centre and nothing to do with Cork County Council. So unfortunately, I don't have any influence over it myself. But of course, I've been getting calls about it. So I took it on myself to make some inquiries with ASCOA and some of the details I got back were things I hadn't been aware of myself such as the rule about parking and then leaving the shopping centre. Um, and in light of the new enforcement contract, which seems to be more strictly enforced, I thought it would be a good idea to put up a picture of the new signs that have been put up there. And I think there were previously signs as well, but uh, I, I said I'd put up a picture of the most up-to-date signs. I, I went down there myself on Wednesday and took a photo of it. Um, and then I also put up the information that I got from Apcoa. So... To be honest, that's the extent of my involvement. Though, because okay, but the, the, the thing about leaving the shopping centre. Yeah. I, I mean, how are they going to know if I've left the shopping centre? Is somebody following me out? My own impression of it is that it's rare that that, you know, phenomenon would happen. Um, it would be only if you park. This is my own impression, though. I have, like I said, I don't have any role in this at all, but I would guess that, or I'd only speculate that if you park and you were literally in front of the person, you know, um, from Afgoa and then you left the shopping centre immediately, go somewhere else, maybe you could 
you could come back and find your, your car clamped. And the thing is, a lot of people will park there, do some shopping in Market Square, but then might venture down O'Brien Street, you know, to the likes of like Barry's Menswear is there. Um, I saw a lot of people talking about deals and they like to pop over to deals. Sports Direct is there. But then if you look at the shopping list for Market Square Shopping Centre, some of the shops on O'Brien Street are listed as being under yeah, Market Square. Deals, which uh, surprised me, to be honest. I didn't realise it was part of the complex. But uh, to, to be honest, that part is very messy, you know, and I, I personally wouldn't agree with that particular, I suppose, provision or that particular reason for being clamped. Um, I think that it, it's very arbitrary, isn't it? Um, I'd say the three hours. My own personal opinion is that the three hours on its own would be okay. But unfortunately, I don't have any role in it um, because it's privately operated. Uh, but at the same time, for public information, I thought it was very important that people know. Um, yeah. Another point I'd like to make, actually, just um, in relation to parking in Mallow in general, is that Park County Council doesn't come at any car park or on street parking ever, never has. Um, and it's there's free parking in all council car parks and on street until the 6th of December. The other thing is, as far as I know, even in Market Square itself, there's actually three hours free parking still. It's yeah, the free, yeah it, it's just the rules and regulations that are going yeah. with it. And the one that seems to be catching most people is this idea of being parked ever so slightly over or on the white line and just stay there because Anne is on uh, this has happened I, I believe this is uh, uh, Anne's story is to do with the white line good morning Jan good morning how are you I'm not too bad you were clamped yesterday was it went into Don's for about a half an hour just to get a bit of shopping and came out and I was clamped I was actually over the white line to be quite honest about it but the car that was there alongside me was actually over the white line as well and I had no other place just to park there. So when I went into Duns and came out, I was clamped, but the other car that was there had already gone. Now, I thought it was a bit... Like, a warning would have done me, but a clamping. Now, it's €125 Euros to unclamp the car. That's that's a lot of money in the run-up to Christmas, Anne. No, it was terrible. I thought it was really, really terrible. And it's like inside in town in Mallow. Now, you might think you'll get free parking for an hour, but the, the guard warrant is still going around the town checking all the cars. Now, if Mallow wants to have pe- uh, people from the town to go shopping, this is, not a, this is not the best interest for the people of Mallow town to be clamped um, inside the car park when we're trying to keep Mallow going. And how? What was the procedure to get your car unclamped, Anne? No, I had to. I had to go. Um, the lady that clamped me was there waiting for me, and she. Um, I had to pay with the card one hundred and twenty-five euro. Pay her to go on. Go on the phone and pay the co- private company. I presume it was, and I had to pay through the phone. And um, when she unclamped me, she said, "I hope you have a better Christmas." So I thought it was a bit. You know, I was just going to say, was was she was she embarrassed about having clamped your car? Was she apologetic? She was, she was, because was she? I went to Cork that morning in the freezing cold to go up to the NCT, and my car passed, and I was delighted. I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then, and then for I that, came back to Mallow, didn't I? I got a clamping. <laughs> Listen, this, this is only a little token, but it's the least we can do for you. We have these 50 euro super value gift cards. We're going to give you one of those, Anne. It'll take a little bit of the sting out of the 125. 
Is that okay? I'll put, you, I'll put you back out to John Paul and he can take the details uh, from you. Uh, let me just go to Bridget for a second. Um, uh, g- good morning, Bridget. Good morning. Uh, you, now, you're making a really good point about yeah. the cinema because there's a cinema in that complex. Yeah, we were going to go there tonight, but we, we decided we're not going to go now because we don't know whether we can park there or not. Because, the, I mean, the, the picture will be on for at least three hours. So, and, you know, by the time you, you park up and get up there and this, that, and the other thing, like it's... Um, it could be over the three hours. We'll be over the three hours, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And Garode, is, is it a 24-hour? That's a 24-hour car park, isn't it? I'm not sure. I don't know. With you. Um, but, you know, it seems to be open reasonably late at night. All right, I... I only know anecdotally. I'm sorry, I can't be more yeah. than that point since, you know, it's not run by the council. But the point I would make, all right, is that, you know, our council car parks are free until the 6th of January. After that, um, it's likely that they'll have the first hour free after that. But they're not just free for one hour for this month until the 6th of January. They're actually free the whole time. Uh, like, you know, yeah, Bridget, could, would, could, would, you, would you consider using one of the uh, council car parks? Well, we probably will, like, but I mean, it's ridiculous what they're doing, really, because, I mean, people are not going to shop inside in, in Mallow anymore. Yeah, and, and the one the one thing about the the car park, it's so handy. If it's it's a very wet, handy. Like and I if mean, it's a wet, I mean, the forecast for tonight isn't great with wintry showers. With wintry showers, if right. Yeah, and, um, and, and the other thing, Garode, you know, um, I don't know who who Bridget is, was planning on going to the cinema with, but, you know, having to leave the complex, you know, if you're females on your own and it's late at night, people don't feel safe, you know, walking, yeah. walking back to a car park. That's where the underground was so handy. It yeah, was so close. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what... What yeah. Thinking about, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. We, we need we need to get on to uh, Apcoa about that as well, just to find out are they are these rules in place uh, twenty four hours? Um. All right. Uh, and Bridget, what 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 movie were you going to see? The the new one is out tonight. Avatar. Avatar. The, yeah. And that is three hours long. That is three that hours is three long. Hours and then you have the ads and everything. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that will be over three hours. All yeah, right, Bridget. Yeah. Uh, thanks for that. And Garold, actually, I can see a number of people are making that point as well, including one person is saying regarding what's going on in uh, Marketplace with parking. Where Mallow is only 25 minutes away from Blackpool. You have a lot better choice of uh, shops and you're not in danger of getting your car clamped. Sure, there is a danger that, 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 would, that will pe- business will be lost in Mallow because of this. I should say and warn people, APCOA is also in charge of the contract in Blackpool Shopping Centre, just so people know that. So I don't think they'd get any better treatment for going to Blackpool than they would for going to Mallow. Uh, and by Mallow, I'd look to be marked where all of the on-street parking, the council has done everything they can to make it as accessible and convenient for everyone. Um, I want to say as well there, actually, just it's not time unlimited in terms of time on council on-street parking. Um, there are time limits and you have to make sure you, that's why the warden is still going around yeah they're free once you remain you can't leave your car there all day you can't leave it yeah, there yeah. and that's in fair enough that's, it, that allows parking spaces for everybody then exactly yeah. well Carmichael Lane is limited three hours as far as I know but Muddy Hill which is very close to the cinema is limited to a day 
but I accept that it's not ideal at all, and especially at night. It's yeah. quite a steep hill without a footpath leading yeah, up across yeah, Mudhill yeah. and Carmichael Lane. 100%. And, and, and in, in, ba- ba- in Ballincollig says it's the same here in Ballincollig. We have a big car park across from the cinema, but many park and go to the Credit Union, but the Credit Union is not included in the complex, and people are getting caught and uh, clamp and clamped. Clamping is awful. And you say, Garold, that Cork County Council, you, you never operate clamping. No, never has. Um, as far as I'm concerned, never will. Uh, you can never make promises for the future, but it, it does not operate clamp, you know, and it, it, it enforces it through tickets. So if someone overstays, you know, it, it's just illegal parking, um, but uh, my impression is they're a good bit more flexible in Cork County Council than, you know, if you're just parked slightly over the line or something like that. Uh, and then also, obviously, if someone's overstaying the, the time limit, um, there are some all-day car parks such as Muddy Hill um, and I suppose the other thing I suppose as well in relation to the cinema is if you're going to see an evening show um, on street parking and all parking in fact is unlimited after 5pm until I think 9.30 next morning so you could leave your car on street if there is on street parking remaining if you're going at for you know one of the evening showings and you know, that would be relatively close, at least, to the entrance to the cinema. So OK, well, well, we have, we've put some questions into um, APCOA and also into the management at Market Square uh, Shopping uh, Centre, particularly this one about parking on the white lines. That's the one. And anyone who's parked in that car park will know they're quite narrow, the spaces. They're not, you know... So and so, all you need is for one car to be slightly close to the next white line, which is going to push the car beside it, not wanting to scratch somebody else's car. So I can understand uh, why people are getting frustrated with being parked over the uh, white line, but also trying to get clarification on this, who's monitoring who as they're actually uh, leaving. And I know um, there was another listener who was going to join us, but then I wasn't able to, uh, who was another one of the ones that was clamped and they got clamped for having been just slightly over the white line. Line. And when they went to pay the clamp, they were told they'd have to pay by card. And she was asking, what if I didn't have a card? They said you'd have to get somebody else to pay it in order to unclamp it. She said, I have to collect a child from school. And I was told by the obviously the person on the phone, arrange collection as it could take up to two hours to get your cars, your car unclamped. Uh, it seems crazy. All right. OK, uh, there's a lot more, I think, to this story. But just to warn people, if you are going to Market Square, be aware that those signs as... Garo said they were always there but most people didn't take any notice of them because they weren't being enforced they are now strictly enforcing all the rules with regard to that particular car park listen Garo thank you for that and uh, thanks uh, for joining us. Now, somebody's saying, and I don't know if this is true, uh, that clampers get paid commission for every car they uh, clamp. I don't know. Again, we'll, we're, we're, that's another question that we'll put, we, we would put through uh, to APCOA. Um, but I'd love to hear from somebody who did work as a clamper in the past. Do they get paid on commission? I have often thought that when you hear about that, that perhaps it is one of those urban myths. But I'm, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it is or not. Now, somebody has sent me in a photograph of saying anyone parking like this deserves to be clamped. Three cars parked in a row. Only one is parked correctly. The other two are taken up two spaces because they're over the white line. So somebody is very much in favour of people being clamped if they do park over the white line. And 
says, Patricia, I think people should should stop shopping in that shopping centre. I see. I, I, I'm, I wouldn't be encouraging people to do that because that's not, that's not fair on the other shops in there. And God knows shops are struggling as it is uh, to try to uh, get people in and to, to try to uh, get a bit of business in. And somebody else says, um, thanks for that, um, uh, Anne. Karen in Tallow says, why don't they do like they do at the shopping centre in Dungarvan? If you stay over your limit, then you pay extra on your ticket. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Still getting a flurry of calls saying about clamping going on at the Market Square uh, car park uh, with a lot of people saying that that car park is the worst car park in the county of Cork to try to park a car because the spaces are so narrow and listen I 100% agree you should see the state of my car I'm forever scratching it off the, the pillars you know the big pillars I've never hit another car thankfully but I've had my car scratched by other cars I have to say in the past yeah the spaces are very narrow and then someone else is making the point that clamping a car can do damage to the car and it's another money racket I wonder what happens if your car I didn't realise that I wonder what happens if your car was damaged due to a clamp being put on or taken off who is uh, responsible it'd be interesting if anybody has the answer to that 0818 103 103 now if you mention the name Mick Meany to people of a certain age in Mitchellstown they'll give you a nod of recognition because Mick Meany became a household name when he set a world record for voluntarily being buried alive to honour the upcoming 50th anniversary of that achievement in a coffin in London. A plaque is going to be unveiled in Mitchellstown today. And joining me is Mick's daughter, Mary Meany. Good morning to you, Mary. Good morning. How and are it's, you? I'm very well and, and delighted to be speaking to you because sadly your dad is no longer with us. Would he have been very proud of this plaque? Um, he'd been over the moon because it's a time capsule. It represents uh, the actual event. So everything I, we, as a family, we put into the time capsule and we bur- it's buried in the ground. And today they're go- we're going to get the scissors and cut the ribbon. So it's kind of like represents the actual event. Oh, that's a nice thing to do. That is a nice yeah. thing, to, uh, thing to do. So I suppose for other listeners who are not aware of this story, we need to go back to 1968. What do you know of how and why your father decided to do this, to be buried alive? Well, he told me as a child he just wanted to be a world-famous boxer, like his hero, Joe Luce. And see, it happened... He was working in the building sites in, in London and he lost the tips of his fingers. So there goes his dream of being a boxer. And he would have been a great boxer because if you got a left hook from McMeany, you never got hope. He just had the inner strength in the left, in the left arm. So, and actually, ironically, being buried alive was the rage at the time. And he was trapped um, 12 years before the actual event in Birmingham on the underground kind of cave and his workmen were injured and he hurt his arm but he stayed there for hours and he said I learned to control my mind and be in the moment so he got the idea there and then if I could do this short term maybe I could do it long term so when the opportunity came he took it I will be buried alive and I'll break a world record yeah, and it really is, it, 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 I mean, it's an incredible thing to even consider doing it, but to actually do it for, it was 61 days, wasn't it? It was. 
And he was in the middle of London. Yeah, and around Kilburn. Yeah, so big Irish area at the time. Yeah, all, all that's gone now. But, uh, and you see, back then, you know, the, the Irish went over to London in the 50s and 60s and discrimination and, you know, the Irish built London. So times were hard, like, so it activated a bit of excitement and a bit of hope, you know, for one of, like, one of their own was doing something to break a world record for the honour and glory of Ireland. So back then it was a, so it was a, a wonderful thing. Yeah, it was, so an, it was an extraordinary achievement yeah. um, at, at the time. But he must have had incredible um, peace of mind to be able to control his mind because the majority of us in a situation like that would panic. But he had to control his mind and obviously his breathing he said, I wasn't thinking of going down. I was thinking of coming up. And by accident, um, a truck went over the grave. So he was very near coming up that time because he was literally couldn't breathe. He was dying. But then he said, no, I carry on. It, yeah, he, he, he had that ability, even when he was dying, to control his mind and to be in the one spot. Yeah. And be totally... He could, he could just meditate. So he wasn't actually focusing on where he was. He could just control his mind. Totally at peace. Just at, at totally peace. peace. And, and while he was being buried alive in London, was there, were, he, there, was there somebody doing it in the States at the same time? There was, yeah. And I, um, the two of them met up on the phone. That didn't work out so well. But, <laughs> but that's yeah. where the international media attention came into it. It was yeah. almost like... Yeah. America versus Europe. Yeah, so it, it became like the publicity became like a prairie fire. It just, it just happened, you know. It just, it just connected to something in their psyche of that time. And how did he manage for food, for water, and for air? There were two pipes going down, you see, and food, and he even smoked. And he had a few oh drinks. my God! Yeah, down in the down in the coffin. Yeah. But, oh. But the sad part was, Mary, and and I only found this out yesterday, it never made it into the Guinness Book of Records. No, I think there was nobody official there on the day to to actually mark it. And yet the world media was watching it. Yeah, no, that was the one thing. That's one of those question marks. And... But he, he told me years later, if he decided to um, become a British citizen, they would recognise it. But he said, no, he's an Irishman. He wouldn't do that. He wouldn't no. do that. He wouldn't, he wouldn't sell his soul. Like, and no. did he talk about what it was like the day that he came out? He said it was the, the mightiest occasion of his living life, you know, to be on top of the world. Can you imagine being onto the ground and buried and then you're on top of the world and all the people are shouting your name and the energy and the positivity it must have been fabulous you know they think you're the only person in this world has done this at this moment yeah, you know, and like, yeah I, I can't yeah. even imagine what yeah like. yeah 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 and is it true that he didn't he didn't discuss what he was about to do with his wife obviously your mother no, see, then again, in that time, there's a different generation. Women and men were different. You know, they, they, you know, there's 
the man was the boss and the provider. You know, so they, they wouldn't have been an equal relationship. So he didn't. Ha- she wouldn't have understood anyway. And she probably would have told him, "You're not doing it." Yeah, she probably would have. So, but you see, he he, he knew where he was. He was over there at the Irish Paddy, and he would have been stuck there forever, so to make make a few pounds. So he thought, this is my way to rise in life. I'll go down to come up in life and I'll provide for my family and we'll have a good life. Yeah, yeah, he was doing it for the greater good of the family. So how did she find out that he was about to be buried alive? On the radio. Oh, my God. And was she living in London? No, she was in Ireland. Oh, she was here. Okay, she she was here. And then, Mary, what effect did the fame then have on the rest of your dad's life? I think a part of him remained buried. He, he, he loved that feeling of elation. Uh, you know, people calling his name. Like today, if he was alive, like he would, he wouldn't. He'd be. You could see his eyes be, be so bright, and he he had this gift of putting his hand up in the air, like you know, he could actually soak in the energy. Oh, he'd be so delighted. And did he make money out of it? Did, did no, no. But, but all he ever wanted was, you see, that's why today is um, cosmic justice. Today and now we're, we're giving him back something that money can buy. He's now immortal, you know. So the, the money doesn't matter anymore. He wanted the fame. He just wanted the recognition, the validation that I, Nick Meany, broke a world record with honour and glory of Ireland. And it's a big dream to have life, even in today's standards. That's a very big dream. And I, I he had no gifts, he had, he had nothing to work with, only his faith in God. He believed this was God's will for him and the power of endurance. I saw, I saw there's still the black and white photographs of him when, when he came out with the... Because um, he, he wasn't able to shave underground for 61 days, so, no. so he came out with a full beard. And, and did he normally wear a beard? No. No, no. And they had to put sunglasses on him, obviously, because of, of the uh, daylight. It was just, I mean, if, I mean I'm, I'm assuming it wouldn't be allowed to happen today, would it? Has no, no, no. It never happened again. No. In journalism, it's known as an offbeat story of human interest. It's, <laughs> you know, it will always, people go, oh, my God, or oh, my God. You know, that's one of those stories. But there are still people in Mitchellstown who, when you say, when I, when I said in the introduction, when you say the name Mick Meany, they know exactly who you're talking about. Oh, straight away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You could just write a postcard, Mick Meany, Ireland. And get yeah. <laughs> and, and did he come back? Did, did, he, did he spend the remainder of his time then in Mitchellstown? He did. He did. He got, he got a job in the Cork County Council and he was delighted because he had security. Yeah. He loved his job. And that's where the where the where the family remained. Now, and am I right in saying you wrote a book about what your dad did? I did, and I think I suppose the reason behind that is when he was dying. He he got he, he got he died in a, he didn't in a he, he died in a fire, even though there was no fire on and there was no he didn't smoke. So one of those mysteries of life: why did he be born in a fire? So he spent nine weeks dying. And the priest said if he was a pioneer, he still would have died. But he, because of his inner strength, he lasted nine weeks of staring at the one spot. So it was a horrific death. His warrior's death. But I ran away. I couldn't cope. I, I, was, I thought the car was well, so I just ran away. But then when I 
felt so guilty because I just wasn't there. And I said to him, I'll make a promise that I won't let people forget you. So you wrote a book called You Can't Eat Roses, Mary. Yeah. Why, what, what, what's that referencing? Uh, you see, he, he was a very wise man. I met the father of my children. He was French. And it was all the things that my mother was afraid of, flowers and chocolates and roses and up and down the same. So when my, my daughter was born and the christening pierced into flora of 12 Rose and I was there. Oh, and my father was in polite language said, "You can't eat roses, Mary. He won't put food on the table. He won't put you a bed to lie in. He won't put a roof over your head. You can't eat the roses." That's that's a wise man. He's well. It's a lovely romantic act. It's all very well, but if you don't have food on the table, then you can't eat the roses that have come into Flora. Okay, is that is that book still available, Mary? No, um, no, it's just self-published. But I, I'm self-published. always hoping that I could jump on his coattail. I think it'd be great. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, published. It's, a great, it's a great story. So t- it's a sad yeah. story. So today is, is a very special day. Who, you're, you're launching or you're cutting the ribbon at, at 12 o'clock in about 40 yeah. minutes' time. And, and who's, who's going to be there? Well, it's an open invitation. So whoever's there is there. Because anyway, it's snowing. It's cold outside. And... It's just one of those things you're, you're, um, you're powerless over. Yeah. Anyway, all, all the people in the county will be there for definitely, and the councillors, and yeah. they'll make a speech. And, and where is the time capsule? It will be behind the toilets. People say, why do I pick that spot? He had a second job cleaning the toilets, and he loved the job, even though he'd go in with the power hose up and down. He was no cleaner. If I ever wanted to find him, I'd find him there and, and, and he'd park the bike with the two, um, the shovel and the cord and I'd find him there. By the public toilets yeah. in Mitchellstown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what's in the it, time, what's in the time capsule? Is it cuttings from the, from the time, from the newspapers and stuff, is it? Yeah, my sister Alice put her hair and everyone wrote stories and my children, in this kind of like, in 61 years when it's dug up again and I'll be dead and gone, it's like, the legacy is his grandchildren's children will remember his name because he left something behind. So that's yeah. money couldn't buy that. No, no. Think. Listen, no. well done. Well, you you fulfilled the the promise that you made to your dad. Uh, as as his life was ebbing away and you certainly have kept his uh, name alive. So uh, enjoy the ceremony this morning, Mary, and thank you so much for taking time out to talk to us today. Thanks very much. Good, good morning to you. Bye bye. Bye bye. It's an, an incredibly, um, it's a story from a different era for sure. I mean, the very notion, as I say, I don't think it would be allowed to happen today that someone would voluntarily decide to bury themselves in a coffin. And it happened in Kilburn in the middle of London back in 1969. And Mick Meany stayed underground for 61 days. It's just incredible. Uh, 0818-103-103. John Paul is taking your calls. You can text, you can uh, WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. With the new Charleville Nursing Home. Find their current available positions at molumhealthcare.com forward slash careers. Construction worker is wanted for a new housing development that's going to go ahead in Cork McSherry. Now, the uh, job will start in January of uh, 2023. CVs please to jobs at haventonfrench.com. 
a dairy farm worker is wanted in Mallow. You must have a PPS number. You need to have your own transport. Call 087 297-9018. An electrician is required to work in Cork City and County. Now a van will be supplied. The number to call is 021-4201611. And the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow, they are hiring seasonal bar staff. It's to work over the Christmas period. Contact Kieran at 022 58200. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. Cmig.ie. We have a reaction to the story about Mick Meany, the Irishman who was buried alive for 61 days and survived. Michael in Castletown Bear says, uh, Patricia, I wonder if you could ask Mary, she's gone off the line unfortunately, if uh, she would remember Bossy Suguru. He was in the same location around the same time or before it. And uh, Michael is querying, was Butty also buried alive? He had a well-known uh, pub. Well, remember, Mary would have been a very young child and she actually would have been in Mitchellstown when her, what, what her dad was getting up to. So I don't know if she would have known that man or not, but maybe somebody else has a recollection of it. Because somebody else is saying was there was a story of a man called Tim Hayes and he went underground in McCroom. Do people remember him and what's the story there? And uh, Patricia from Moy says, Hi, I clearly remember that man being buried in Mitchellstown when I was a child. Yeah, I did say that. People of a, of a certain age when you mentioned the name Mick Meany. But I thought it was quite emotional listening to Mary saying it was like a promise that she made to her father on his deathbed because all he wanted to be was famous and he wanted to be famous for the family. He thought it would, you know, at the time, you know, the late 60s, it was a tough time to be an Irish working on the building sites in England he was trying to do something to better himself in order to better his family but he wanted to be famous so she's definitely that, that time capsule is a lovely idea and future generations then will get to see and hear and know about uh, the late Mick uh, Meany 0818103103 here's an interesting one from uh, one of our listeners Mary morning Patricia all at C103 I was in a restaurant in North Cork last week now we're not saying where or when my friends and I were having a meal by the way the meal was really really good but the restaurant was very cold would you believe we had our entire meal and we never took our coats off once? I'm wondering, says Mary, as was her friends who she dined out with, is it to do with cutbacks? Are restaurants starting to cut back on their heating? It, it certainly would be one way of saving money. And I know the hospitality industry bars and restaurants really struggling at the moment because we know everything's gone up we know all the food uh, prices have gone up we know drink prices have gone up and everything that they need to buy in has gone up in price but you add the energy costs onto it so I don't know but let's give it out there Mary and see are others noticing when you're out and about having something to eat have you noticed that the restaurant isn't as toasty as, and warm as it used to be or could it just be in this very cold spell that the restaurant just hadn't heated up properly? 0818 103 103. Hi Patricia, would you please wish everyone who celebrates Hanukkah 
a happy Hanukkah, which will be starting on Sunday. And considering the rise in anti-Semitism and the return of fascism this year, I hope that things improve next year and that we never go back to the horrors of World War Two. I'm only too delighted for, to, for any of the Jewish community listening to us to wish them happy Hanukkah. Hanukkah starts, you're right, it's this coming Sunday. The, it starts on the evening of the 18th of December for this year and it finishes uh, the, uh, just a little over a week later on Monday, the 26th of December. It is the annual eighth day Jewish uh, celebration of Hanukkah. So happy Hanukkah. Thank you for that. Glad to give it a mention. Anne was on to us. This is reacting to the listener who contacted us yesterday who has Christmas on their own and they have a fabulous Christmas on their own. They don't need company. She cooks the dinner and all of the trimmings and she can open our quality streets and she's got nobody taking the sweets that she likes out of the box and she can watch her own movies and she absolutely loves it and she has a day where she focuses totally on herself. She's none of the stresses and strains of uh, Christmas that other people might have if they're in a busy house. And Anne said, Patricia, I, I too also spend Christmas Day on my own. And like your listener uh, yesterday, I cook the dinner. And yes, I do all of the trimmings. I portion the meat that's left over and freeze it for another day. There's a lot to be said for the freedom of being one's own boss. Merry Christmas and a happy new year to all at C103 from Anne. Many happy returns. And it is true, there are some people who like their own company, but let us not therefore take away from people who are desperately lonely on Christmas Day because that they certainly are another cohort of uh, people. And thank you to Cecilia in Dunmanway for getting information into me about an arts and craft pop-up shop in Dunmanway. Now, I'm always banging on about shopping local and trying to support the independent uh, stores. But if you can also at the same time support artists and craft producers, it is a win win for everyone. So I was delighted to hear about this craft pop up shop in Dunmanway. They're going to showcase the work of 54 local artists and craft makers and it's called Christmas Elves pop-up store. Now, seemingly it's been funded by Cork uh, County Council, which is a terrific thing for Cork County Council uh, to do. And what they're doing is they're identifying disused retail spaces and, you know, asking people, are you willing to put a pop-up shop in there and use... So it sort of revitalises the town as well. So this this Christmas Elves pop-up shop is on, is in the Old Kerr's Pharmacy in the town of Dunmanway. So anyone in Dunmanway will know Kerr's uh, Pharmacy. That's been, it's only been empty for the last couple of years. I think it closed in uh, 2020. Everything that's on sale is local and is made close to Dunmanway and nothing comes from anywhere outside the county of uh, Cork. They're hoping people will support the local artists, craft makers and businesses. Now, the cards or the shop has cards, Christmas decorations, paintings, ceramics, pottery, wood turned crafts, felt making, knitting, lamps, cushions, jewellery, metal sculpture, prints and lots, lots more. I'm told there's something in this shop to suit everyone. It's open now and it'll be open up. It'll be open every day until Christmas Eve, the 24th of December. So if you're in Dunmanway, please pop in to Kerr's Old Pharmacy in the town to the Christmas Elves pop up store. I know they're having a bit of a raffle as well and they're doing a little bit of a fundraiser at the same time. You can buy raffle tickets if you're in there with the proceeds. All the proceeds going to St Vincent de Paul in Dunmanway. And that, of course, 
the, all the different conferences of St Vincent de Paul. If you have any spare bob at all this year, uh, send it the way of VDP. So please, when you are shopping local, but remember those local craft people and artists as well. So thank you, Cecilia, for that. And best of luck with the Christmas Elves pop-up shop in Dunmanway. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. C103's Irish Sunday is the big show on your radio. Sunday mornings from 10. Four hours of all-time favourites from Cleon Hagen to Mike Denver. Susan McCann to Derek Ryan. And Daniel O'Donnell to Nathan Carter. It's Cork's greatest hits, guaranteed. And everyone is Irish. Join us Sunday mornings from 10am. Irish Sunday on C103. Now as households look to save on their soaring energy bills this winter, the government has published a new booklet aimed at giving practical advice on how to cut our usage and cut the cost of heating and powering our homes. The guide was compiled by Professor Aoife Foley, who's an expert in energy systems engineering at Queen's University in Belfast. And I'm delighted to say that Aoife has taken time out to join us today. Good morning to you, Aoife. Good morning, Patricia. You're very welcome to, to the programme. Has there, has there been a very dramatic price in, has there ever been a, such a dramatic price increase in energy before, do you think? Um, probably in the 70s when we had the um, the um, Yom Kippur War, when the Middle East um, had an oil embargo and oil prices increased significantly. It, it's sort of similar things that actually are going on at the moment. Um, and um, as a result of that, then at the same time, there was a global economic recession. Um, they would have gone to a three day week in the United Kingdom. There would have been a lot of strikes. Um, so it's actually quite similar to what we're, well, for me, being in the UK, it's quite similar to what we're going through. And then you have the global recession, you have increasing interest rates. So it's it's actually the conditions that are happening at the moment for energy price changes are the same as would have happened in the 70s, I suppose, yeah. 73, 74, when the well, UK went to the IMF then and looked for money when they did their price cap. Well, I suppose for, so, for, for a lot of people who, do, who do, wouldn't remember the 70s, it's they've never seen anything like the way the, our energy no. bills, our bills are going up. And then is it fair to say that most of us don't have a clue what a kilowatt hour is? No, <laughs> no, they don't. No, 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 no. It's a very sort of an abstract unit, you know, and um, people really, um, they, they, they struggle with it. They've always struggled with it. Um, and, um, you know, I suppose, look, it, it is what it is. Um, and the problem for many people is that, um, you know, energy has been so cheap over the last 30, 40 years. Um, and if you ask anybody how much electricity, how much, you know, their mobile phone bill is, they can tell you nearly every, for the month. They can tell you their, their Wi-Fi or their, you know, their broadband or Wi-Fi and the cost that they're paying for the mobile phone. Um, they can tell you all that information, their Netflix, their Skybox, um, very, very good at that. People then, for in terms of, say, if they had a, a petrol or a, a diesel car, they can give you, or if they're buying a monthly bus ticket or a monthly train ticket, they can give you an indication of how much they're paying. But when it comes to electricity and heating, um, especially if people have gas, um, natural gas heating, um, they, they, they don't manage and, and, and they wouldn't be sort of as aware of it. Um, in terms of um, kerosene or old um, boiler, kerosene heating, oil heating, central heating, people would have a better idea of it because they would say, you know, I got a half a tank or a full tank and it cost me this amount of money. Um, 
and I suppose that's been fluctuating really since well. um, the downturn yeah, in the economy think you're right. in 2011. With, with gas and electricity, the bills come in every two months and you just pay them and they've always had a tendency to be pretty much the same. They might go up a little mm. bit in the winter, but that was it. But n- now people live in dread when the electricity bill or the I, gas bill arrives. I suppose, look, you know, that's true for people who have a standing order, you know what I mean, are they have a direct debit and they pay their bill every quarter um, every two months. Whereas with people who are on page who go meters who would be more vulnerable um, um, in, in certain areas of the country um, and 100,000 people um, who, who would be on page who go meters where they they would pay higher unit charges than the ordinary um, other people in society, you know, um, and, 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 and that's really what happened last week when the government came out and said that, you know, that they, they, they were, you know, taking more of a, a an interest in what was happening there for people on pay-as-you-go meters, because for them, really, it's a matter of food versus heat or electricity. They tend to be people who aren't on, um, they're not long-term social welfare recipients. They're not elderly who would be receiving money. They tend to be people who are on, um, you know, lower incomes who work in service in the service sector who would be particularly vulnerable, and and things can go quite quickly wrong for them, you know, because yeah, they, they and, tend and to be I people also, who are renting as well. I, I also don't think, Aoife, that a lot of people who opt for pay as you go realise that they're paying the most expensive tariffs. Well, actually, what happens is they don't opt for it because a lot of them would be renters. So it, 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 some some um, landlords would have pay-as-you-go meters because what they're trying to avoid is a situation where a tenant leaves them with a large bill um, and then a potential disconnect, which means then that they have a reconnect issue with either a gas provider or um, ESB networks, you know. Yeah, I hadn't, hadn't um, thought about that. So that's the okay, issue. so let's take a look at your, your guide. How has your guide tried to simplify the message for all of us? Well, I suppose what, what we've done really in the guide is, uh, you know, we put together a, a, various tips. Um, we put pe- um, in terms of saving, your, um, you know, reducing your heating. So heating is one of the biggest costs and your electricity bills. And then we've also, and how to sort of come get around that kilowatt hour unit which which is uh problematic for a lot of people um what we've done is um we have um put a little um graph together that shows you um single appliances and how long you use them for by the size of a circle and in each um you know in each little dot or circle there is an appliance and it gives you an indication of the cost um that no excludes standing charges. Now, obviously, the VAT is different at the moment, um, but that may change next February. So the prices will increase again. Um, but what we've put in there basically is your your gas central heating, your oil central heating, um, an electric cooker, your tumble dryer, your electric shower, your kettle, and how much it costs to use those for sort of if you used your kettle for 15 minutes a day or your hairdryer for 15 minutes a day or your sandwich maker or your iron. Um, and we give you then um, a unit, uh, the cost. Yeah, and, and the cost obvious, as opposed to the, the kilowatt cost. The ones that you mentioned there, they're all the big users of it. They they're the ones that are going to cost those. you the most. Yeah, and, 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 and that's actually why I mentioned those. Um, and, and, and really what it is for a, um, a lot of people is um, the, the, the thing is that the, the larger the appliance and the more heat it produces, the bigger your electricity bill and the longer you have it on for the more electricity you're using so your your cooker 
your immersion heater, your tumble dryer, um, your plug-in electric heater. If Now, there's different types of plug-in electric heaters. If it's an oil-filled electric heater, that's a slightly different type of um, electric heater in that it builds up a thermal mass and then it maintains it um, using a thermostat at that temperature. So it's 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 like with your oven, it, it gets up to a duty cycle, like your fridge, it gets up to a duty cycle and then it maintains that temperature. Um, so the, the tumble dryer would be one of the largest ones. It's about 85. Now, it depends on your tariff, OK, mm. um, but it can be 85 cent up to a, a euro per hour. Yeah. Give it so to- if you're looking stop, at- stop, yeah. stop using the tumble dryer. But then, you know, I was I, I was looking at the different appliances and like we, we would have had calls in Aoife since this whole energy crisis happened from, say, older people who are limiting their TV. Like we'd one lady who said, mm. I just watch the, the the news um and I watch one other program uh, so I only watch mm-hmm. television for an hour no, and I switch I switch it off for four hours yeah is forty cent it's not it's a big f- yeah it's yeah and it's, it's to get not. that it's message yeah but we don't want people to get cold but what people need to do is they need to realise and that's why I suppose if you look at the booklet there's a links there to SEAI you know people will say look I can't get a guy in to do insulation in my home but what you could do is you could get a, a draft excluder for your door close your curtains, if you've cracks in your windows, try and seal them up either with mastic, uh, mastic or uh, masking tape or something that will, you know, stop the drafts coming in. Um, you know, reduce your thermostat. Don't have your thermostat at around 21 degrees. Obviously, now, if you have an illness where you need to have it at 21 degrees, then, you know, you need to, to think about that. Um, you might have rain odds or you might have rheumatism. Um you might have an, an ill person who's seriously unwell in your home where you have to have a higher temperature. But most people, 19 degrees is quite comfortable. And if you wear a jumper um, in your home and, or get a thermal vest and put your socks on, don't be walking around in your shorts and T-shirts, um, you know, over Christmas and it's minus two or minus three or minus four or even minus 10 outside. You know, all you're doing is you're actually costing yourself a lot of energy. And most houses in the Republic of Ireland and in the United Kingdom, they would have a lower bin building energy rating um, in terms of insulation. Um, so what you're doing is you're, you're building up a thermal mass in your home and it's actually bleeding out of the house. So it's like burning money in essence. Yeah, layer up and block up, as you say. Any layer up, and like we so, used to in the 80s yeah, and the 90s. Yeah, absolutely, you know what I mean? and the, the extra, the, the old coat thrown on the bed to keep you warm at night. There's many, there's many a family blankets. would have done that. Yeah, somebody's asking about the children using the games consoles. Do they use a lot mm-hmm. of electricity? Well, for about three hours, it's 22 cents, so I wouldn't be bad humbug, you know. I okay. remember um, when, when I started this journey, a few, it must have been about two or three months ago, and when the prices start and people, you know, I, I um, um, Anton Savage asked me about gas. This is how all of this started. And I suppose I've been looking at um, energy systems now and researching them for about, I suppose, 16 years. And, um, you know, somebody said the same, you know, there was a, a, a bit of a cavoodle about um, lights in Dublin and that they'd be taking down the Christmas lights. And the thing about it is, actually, they're modern LED lights, okay? There's a lot of them up, look, I suppose, as a sort of a, like they do in Germany, they make a sort of a point of it and they say, look, we're going to take half of them down and we're going to switch off like the Eiffel Tower after a certain time at night. And it's sort of a solidarity thing for the whole of the nation. But it's 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 very, very different in Germany and it's very, very different in France and that France de- is in a much worse position than we would be even in the United Kingdom and Ireland. Um in that, you know, they have a lot of nuclear plant offline. 
they're heavily dependent on nuclear. It's going to take them um, longer to come back on um, um, generating online um, than they had anticipated. Then there obviously is the gas issue. Um, and, you know, you can't just throw up large gas generation overnight in your country if you don't have it. And, and that's where France is at the moment. Um, and Germany, it is a huge industrial load, a huge heating industrial load. Um, and, and, and they're in a very different place. And you can see it already. They've opened up coal plants, they're looking at nuclear again, whereas all of these things were off the table. Yeah, and I suppose that's back the on. situation we're in at the moment. They're yeah, back everything on. Is somebody, back on the somebody, the, the number of people are asking about this, the fairy lights on the Christmas tree. Eve. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Do they I use look, a lot of electricity? Now, well, I, I, I tell you what, I went away knowing that I was coming on the show for you this morning and I'm going to give you two, two, two combinations. OK, cool. so if you had and I don't want everybody now to be going away and I was going to recommend to people as well. What you could do is rather than going away and buying lots of chocolates and lots of sweets and lots of plastic rubbish for people. OK, that you're only going to throw in the bin anyway in the new year. I was going to put on the calories, go away and get people maybe, you know, an energy savings kettle. A little air fryer for a family member, an electric blanket, um, a fleece, a pair of cosy slippers, cosy socks, little thermal vests. But in terms of your lighting, your fairy lights, I looked at two different combinations. Incandescent lighting, OK, which is your your standard filament bulb, the old type, OK, and LED lighting. And I looked at a basic mini light system in the filament bulb. I looked at commercial mini lights. Um, so I looked at one home. I say I, I went and looked at my own home. OK, we say two bedroomed, uh, two, two people with um, two kids. OK, and um, three bedroom semi D type of um, house. Um, and you would uh, read on your door. OK, you had two outdoor decorations and you add your lights on your trees. And if you had them on for eight hours a day, it's going to cost you about eight euros, 42 cent at, at a 34 cent tariff. Now, at the moment, you must remember that's a unit tariff that can vary depending on your supplier from 30 odd up to 40 odd. So you can see there it's going to cost anybody from eight euros up to maybe 11 or 12 euros for two months. And LED is it for no for a day for a day, eight hours for a day for just the lights. Just all those. That's the old ones. So if oh, you have sorry. OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got you starting but to panic. But if you have Go the on. new modern LED, yeah. Patricia, OK, yeah. it's going to cost you one euro 45. There you go. So they're seven times more efficient. Yeah, and everyone and has well LEDs. That, they don't break your heart when, they, yeah. when the bulb goes. Because you remember the olden days, you'd be trying to find the bloody <laughs> oh bulb. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, and there'll be one, one missing. Listen, you've exactly. been a mine of information. I'm picking and up. And you're a, turkey. I, yeah. You're turkey. Go on. Well, your your turkey. If you're going to, you know, looking at a turkey now to feed six people, you're talking about four euros eighty to roast it in your oven. Now, so what I'm recommending to people is, don't roast from frozen. Go away, take it out overnight, defrost it slowly and safely. You don't want anybody to get food poisoning. Okay. Yeah. Another thing you could do is you could get um, a turkey bag. Okay. Put in and like I mean, you know, I love. I I, I know some people they give out about a turkey. I'm a traditionalist, so I didn't get a turkey for Christmas and Anne. Put in an old spoon of flour, put in some salt and pepper, shake it about so it won't, your turkey won't stick because people say, oh, the, the bag will stick to the turkey, you know, um, and put it in the oven. It'll reduce your cooking time by about maybe 30, 40 minutes. That's money saved. Okay. I'm over, I'm over on time, unfortunately. I could talk to you mm -hmm. all day. You're a mine of information. Aoife, no very, very quickly, very briefly, I'm picking up a Cork accent, am I?
I am. I'm from Cork City. Cork City. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Listen, it was lovely to talk to you. Well, no doubt we no might worries. we might speak again in the new year. But listen, have a great Christmas and thanks for joining us. Cheers, Patricia. God bless. Bye bye. Bye bye. Isn't she lovely? That is Professor Aoife Foley. I was new as I was chatting with. That's a Cork accent. Uh, she is with Queen's uh, Queen's University in uh, Belfast with uh, some tips to help us all to use less and to save some money. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Hi Patricia. Oh, this is when I mentioned that lovely craft pop-up craft shop that's opened in Dunmanway. Somebody was on saying, Patricia, regarding crafts, I've just been to Mallow Farmer's Market in St. James's Church. I got homemade soap, candles, jam and vegetables, all produced locally. And I think it's on again tomorrow. Can somebody confirm, is that Farmer's Market on again tomorrow? Farmer's Markets are great as well, actually, to pick up local produce. Thank you for that. OK, I want to go to the phone lines because uh, Maura uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Maura. Hi there, Patricia. Uh, I'm I'm well. I just wish you were coming with a better tale, you poor, poor thing. You you come with, I suppose, a cautionary tale for others to be careful. But it was last weekend you were doing a spot of shopping in the city. Indeed, I was getting my the end of my Christmas shopping done, and I had my Christmas my done vouchers with me, and I had cash on me as well. I had three hundred euro to buy a few vouchers for people, and. Uh, thinking that that was in the bottom of my bag and was safe. Uh, that was all well and good until I went to pick up my bags and the bag containing the important stuff was gone. And now I had two other bags with two pairs of shoes in them, so I was a little laden down at the time. But um, still a terrible shock. So you, you you started retracing your steps? I did indeed. I popped back, I went in through the English market, up through Dunn's and Tesco and checked for all of those and there'd be nothing handed in and I, I was in uh, inquiring again during the week and nothing doing unfortunately Yeah because the, your your initial thought was I've left it behind somewhere and some honest person will realise that's been left behind and handed it in but uh, what's your suspicion now? Do you think you it was ta- it was stolen from you? It was taken? Absolutely I think uh, it must have been because I uh, what I had perceived, I had my eye on it, but, you know, as I say, I was trying on shoes and, you know, I would have taken my eyes off. I would have been going over and back and whatnot. So I could have, you know, uh, the split second, though, is, 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 a, is what it takes, I suppose. And what, what kind, it wasn't your handbag, obviously, wasn't it? It wasn't. I was picking up a few groceries. It was a black shopping bag. Oh, okay. And it was in the there were you the envelope you had you'd be cash in an envelope, was it in the in the bottom of the bag? Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you say your Dunn's vouchers, are they the ones that Dunn send you? Or, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well exactly. they they can't be used without your card. I don't think they can because yeah, my no, name no. was on them and everything on my Yeah, no, get get back get back on to uh, to Dunn's because they'd either re- reissue them or if you have the app they'll be on the app, so at least they're not gone. But the three hundred euro in cash, gone. I'd say. I don't don't see that coming back to me. Uh, and you know, hard earned cash, Maura. This is it. This is it. So let let it just be a, a warning to others. I mean, it's it's just you know I got stung, but I, I wouldn't like to think the same would happen to others. Um, as I say, I was you know after a long day shopping, and it was kind of you know it was a case of I just dropped them down for a few seconds, and next thing. You know, yeah, and it can be it can be literally in that split second. You, you know, I mean, I remember a friend of mine who was always very careful with her cash and her money, etc. She had the handbag, you know, in the trolley in the supermarket 
and uh, she went to pick up some vegetables and literally turned her back and she reckons in that split second somebody had realised that the wallet was at the top of the purse and boom it was gone of course she didn't know until she got to the checkout that it was gone and you know I remember there was CCTV but they weren't able to identify who had taken it but it was a split second thing but you just can't leave your guard down at all Exactly that's the message Anything like this ever happened to you before? I'm normally very careful Are you? So it's I know it's a, it's the first time, so it's um it's a lesson lesson learned. I know, I know. Listen, it's only it's only a little bit of comfort, but we do have these fifty euro super value gift vouchers that we're giving away this week. So we'll I'll put you back out, out to John Paul and we'll get your details and and we'll send that on to you. That'll be a, a little bit towards the bits and pieces that you have to buy. But listen, uh, more and thank you for joining us and to warn others as well that they need to be very careful. Thank you. And right. thanks again, Patricia. No, no problem. I'll put you back out to John Paul. Uh, just be very careful, folks. You know, there are there's opportunistic thieves doing the rounds, but there's also people who will go out and they'll target. They'll watch people and say, oh, she looks like she's got money. You'll have people being followed and whatever. So just be very, very careful because we did issue that warning. Was it last week or the week before the Gardaí in the city were warning people about leaving items in the boot of your car because the cars without the immobilizers, the Japanese imports, they're easier to get into and people can pop the boot. So you just need to be care- all the time. You just need to be uh, careful because unfortunately not everyone is uh, trustworthy, which is just hugely, uh, hugely annoying. Now, we had somebody earlier who was on saying that they went for Mary. She went for a meal with some friends of hers and they were in a North Cork restaurant. That's as much as we said. Lovely meal and they really enjoyed it, enjoyed her evening out and whatever. But she said it was freezing, freezing inside in the restaurant. And and they actually left their coats on. And I don't think I've ever gone into a restaurant where you'd leave your coat on for the entire time that you're in having your meal. But she said it was actually that cold that all of them left their coats on. And they, no, they didn't ask, but they were just wondering, is this something that businesses are doing? Are they turning down the temperature? Now, you can half understand why some businesses might be deciding to do that with the massive energy bills. And thank you to um, Kathleen, who has sent in a piece saying, now, this is happening in the UK, but is, is it happening here as well? So just to let you know that John Lewis and B&Q stores in the the United Kingdom. They've all turned down their heating. Some of the staff are describing it as being freezing at work. And it is the John Lewis partnership. They're lowering the temperature in their department store and they're dimming the lights at the Waitrose supermarkets in a bid to minimise rocketing energy uh, bills. Waitrose, which is a big supermarket chain in the UK, they will operate what they're calling half lighting in stores. For the first two hours of trading on weekdays and across the partnership, the temperatures at branches, offices, warehouses are all being reduced by two degrees. And the, the memo that which was seen by the Guardian newspaper says that unless it took action, the John Lewis partnership said that they faced an 18 million pounds sterling overspend on energy for its year to the end of January. And obviously, uh, even with putting up prices, there is no way that they could afford that. 18 million pounds sterling. And that's just on the overspend that we would have been expecting to pay what they normally would be paying for their energy and their heating. So there's certainly, there's a a big, big company in the United Kingdom who are obviously facing the very same energy crisis we are facing. And God knows in the UK, they seem to be facing much worse because the strikes all over the place uh, as well in the United Kingdom at the moment. But they've decided to start turning down the temperature in the department store and reducing uh, the lights. Are other Irish businesses doing it as well? 
and doing it a little bit quietly? I don't know. 0818 103 103. Our lines are open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Dancing is on tonight to Dermot Lines playing in Kilbehany Community Centre. Dancing is from 9pm and admission is €10 and the usual teas will be served. Bingo is on in Mallow GAA Complex tonight, 8.15. The jackpot, €4,100. All money's raised going to the running of the Mallow GAA Club and teams for the coming year. Tim League Bingo is on tonight at 8.30 with a Christmas raffle. Spot prizes, also extra prize money added. All are welcome. But Kildarri have decided to cancel their bingo for tonight due to adverse weather conditions and they're apologising for any inconvenience caused. Rathmore bingo, that's been cancelled for tonight. And the monthly Irish night in Laharan Heritage Centre is also cancelled tonight due to the weather forecast. And the under-21 Sea Hurling Championship final, Kildallery v Liscarroll v Churchtown Gales, uh, due to be played in Mallow at 8 o'clock this evening is off due to the weather as well. That's the Kildallery, Liz Carroll, Churchtown Gales match off for this evening. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Still waiting to try and get uh, clarity about some of the questions we've asked to do with the Parking and other clamping is in operation at the Market Square uh, car park. Uh, Cathy sends in an email saying Market Square, um, when it says leave, it means if your car leaves the car park, you can't come back within the same three hour period. No return, even if it's within the time limit. I called as I was unsure, but that's not what the sign says. The sign says that the maximum stay is three hours and there's a no return within four hours. Park only in the Mark Bays and that therefore if you go over the line, you're going to get clamped. But it clearly says if you park and leave the Mallow shopping centre car park your vehicle may be clamped so I mean if you're saying that they're saying oh it's only if you leave with your car they can't clamp your car if you leave so if you leave if you park and leave the Mallow shopping centre comma your vehicle may be clamped uh, so, I, so no, I, 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 to me, that's very different to what you have been told. Anyway, as I said, we need to get a lot of uh, clarity and we're waiting for both the management of the Market Square to come back to us are the company who are responsible for the uh, clamping. I'm buried alive when we spoke about Mick uh, Murphy earlier on. Ken in Bantry says, at the McCroom, the Mountain Dew Festival in McCroom back in the 70s, they dug a hole and they placed a coffin in it with no holes uh, in it. It was being recorded for TV and it was the well-known TV presenter Mike Murphy. He was doing probably doing the live Mike, was he at the time? He got into the coffin and he was going to be buried uh, alive. Everybody stood around looking at the hole, wondering what was going to happen. But the laugh was on everyone because Mike Murphy was down the road in the railway bar having a few pints. <laughs> he was drinking. He wasn't in the coffin at all. And then somebody had asked about a gentleman called Butty Suguru and if... Mary, who joined us, even though I say Mary was a young child at the time, so she might have known all the characters at the time. Did she know Butty Sugru? Jim and Clannacilty knows all about Butty Sugru. Butty Sugru used to pull a bus as an act with his teeth. 
He was one of those incredible strong men. He did it through a street in London and Jim has recollections that he may have also done it on the Grand Parade in Cork. Jim reckons he was a Kerry man but he was known as Ireland's strongest man, Michael Butty Sugru. Thank you for that and Pat in Skibreen also remembers Butty Sugru. He was a great man to the uh, Irish he was from Kilorglan. I think one, it was Michael from Castletown Bear who initially mentioned, I think he said he had a pub, didn't he? I don't know whether the pub was in London or not, but a lot of people remembering that character of uh, Butty uh, Sugru. Uh, now, just to, just to give you this very quick, oh, before I give you this, just as, uh, kind of one of those remarkable stories I came across, Marion has sent in a message to say that Mid- Middleton GAA bingo is definitely going ahead today at half past seven, thanking you. There seems to be some venues are deciding to oh, to have events tonight and others because I think there's wintry showers expected. Others are deciding to not go ahead. So we've kind of a mixed bag, I think, across the week. Lots of things, which just everything nearly was getting cancelled. But there seems to be some things are going ahead and some things are not. An amazing story that I came across earlier of a toddler who survived being gulped down and then regurgitated by what? A hippopotamus. It's a two-year-old little boy by the name of Paul Ega. He was playing near his home, which was about 800 metres from the shores of Lake Edward, which is in West Uganda. Seemingly what happened was the hippo grabbed him with obviously a hippopotamus, huge jaws, and was swallowing him whole when a local man saw what happened and he frantically started pelting the animal, animal, the hippopotamus, with stones. The startled hippo regurgitated the child and then lumbered off back towards the lake. A Ugandan police spokesperson said it's the first such incident where a hippo strayed out of the lake and attacked a young child. The hippo had grabbed the boy from the head and swallowed half of its body. But thank you to this very brave man who saw what was going on and started pelting him with stones. Now, the boy obviously was uh, rushed to uh, hospital. He was given a rabies vaccine as a precaution. But then he was released back to his parents, so obviously no ill effects. And though hippos are herbivores, they can be highly aggressive when they feel threatened. They're estimated to have killed at least 500 people. Or they, they kill at least 500 people a year in Africa. And the power of their bite is three times greater than that of a lion. There is a young boy who has some incredible story uh, to tell when he grows up, for sure. But well done to that brave man for pelting the stones at the hippo and getting the little boy released. 0818103103. Now, we're continuing with our festive Friday here on C103. And our reporter, Maeve Tuig, was in the English market and also got the lowdown on popular toys this Christmas. And also, she's got a piece of important news from the Taoiseach confirming that Santi will be arriving. People have been flocking to Cork's English market as they prepare for Christmas dinner. I paid a visit to the iconic spot in the heart of the city to chat to some traders. Here's Tim Mulcahy of the Chicken Inn. I had four occasions this week where I was actually able to tell people their name um, and they were absolutely agog at it. They couldn't couldn't believe it um, and it's great it's, it's what the market is all about. It's all about that interaction, you know, or counters or conversation pieces. And we just, we just love the interaction with the, with, the, with the people. Sometimes, again, going back to that 22nd and the 24th, uh, it gets a bit mad. And you can't always uh, stop and have a chat about the weather or something like that. But, like, you know, come the new year, we'll have plenty of time to be talking about the weather again.
When the dinnerware has been cleared away, focus switches to the leftovers. There's always the, the cut per slice pan and the, the North Cork butter. Um, that's a great way of getting rid of any leftover turkey. Um, and a bit of stuffing on top of that and the cranberry juice. Um, a lot of the cafes around town have some spectacular turkey and ham sandwiches on offer at the moment and they're just incredible. Um, so I would say fairly simple. A couple of sandwiches, a couple of festive sandwiches, as I said, with a cranberry juice, something like that. You could go down the road of heating it with a bit of gravy, a bit of mashed potato, um, but a veg, that's always nice, a nice option as well. Tom Durkin of Tom Durkin Meats says they're kept busy. Trade is fairly good at the moment. Um, spiced beef has been flying out for the past three or four weeks. The turkeys and hams, the hams are beginning to go now. Turkeys won't go to the last minute. But there's plenty of spiced beef selling, which is the main thing. I think everyone goes with the spiced beef. And what it is, it's, it's cold and people tend to have it in the fridge and just keep picking at it over the Christmas. Uh, most people cook it actually before Christmas. It's a growing thing rather than a dying thing spice beef at the moment is getting busier and more people are using it every year than before so it's all, all positive looking. The countdown is on to the festivities and bigger groups are gathering for dinner this year. Oh we're back to people having large groups and houses again and you see it in the size of joints that are ordered it's not just a joint for two or four people it's a joint for four eight ten twelve fourteen people people are back to entertaining again Thank God. From spiced beef to spiced buffalo, here's Ono Mahani of O'Mahony's Butchers. Well, it's a twist on traditional cork spiced beef. So we've been using macroon um, buffalo for the last 10 years or so. And we started making spiced buffalo. We only have small amounts of it. So it usually kind of sells out fairly quickly. And uh, what kind of feedback you get on it? Oh, it's incredible. People think it's... They swear by it and they think it's much better than spiced beef, but of course they're going to say that. A visit to the market at this time of the year is very much a tradition for many. People love coming to the market as part of their, their Christmas tradition. So they come in and they look at the lights and they look at the traders and they might pick something up while they're here then as well. The amount of people that come in and say, my, ma- my nan used to shop here, is incredible at this time of the year. So it's a, it's a really kind of a traditional thing. For those who are on cooking duty this year, Cork TV chef Jack O'Keefe has this advice. Be prepared. An angry chef or an angry cook is an unorganised chef and unorganised cook. So the best way to do it is the days leading up to Christmas Day, write yourself a prep list and tick it off as you go. Get all as much as you can do done. Make sure the butter's out, that it's soft. Get all your chopped onions done. Any bits of chopping and prep that you can do, get it done. That way, on the day, nice and organised, everyone will be calm. Cork is buzzing with shoppers buying Christmas gifts. Wine Stansfeld of Pinocchio's Toy Shop says train sets and jewellery boxes are really popular this year. Most of our customers have been customers for probably the last 30 years or more. I mean, we get our second generation now, so even for me, I'm getting my second generation. So the kids who were coming in when, I first, when we first bought the shop in 1991 are now parents, and their parents are now grandparents. So we're so we get continuous stories about people who've had the old again with the with the train stuff. Actually, I had another grandfather in yesterday who was buying train stuff to add to his train stuff for his grandson. Earlier this week, Taoiseach Michal Martin confirmed Santa has been granted access to Irish airspace. Well, I wish to confirm uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt uh, that Santa uh, will uh, be facilitated in terms of access to Irish airspace. Uh, and our intelligence is that Santa will arrive duly on time for the children of our nation. Uh, they may rest assured of that. Um, we may not guarantee a lot of other things, but we guarantee that uh, most definitively.
Thank you to uh, Mairead uh, for that and lovely to hear that uh, Santa will be able to arrive in Ireland and uh, in more importantly here in uh, Cork and the airspace will all be clear for him. Yesterday I mentioned that I'm a fan of Brussels sprouts when you're thinking about your Christmas uh, dinner and there's always a debate over Brussels sprouts because some people like me absolutely adore them, other people absolutely hate them but it seems the sale of Brussels sprouts are set to go through the roof this Christmas. Supervalue say they expect to sell over 7 million of them this festive season. Last December, it sold about a quarter of a million nets of Brussels sprouts. How many Brussels sprouts are in a net? They reckon about 28 in each pack. So when you break that down, that works out at 1.3 sprouts for every man, woman and child in the country. Well, if you come to my house, I'll probably eat all the 28 that's just in one pack. So they're still selling well, which is good to hear. 0818103103. Now we're trying to get this checked with Irish water, but maybe somebody locally can help us with this. Hi Trish, no water the last two days in Kilbrin. I'm wondering, has anybody else got the same problem? Uh, because we've got no water, we can't run the heating. See, you immediately think, could, could it just be a frozen pipe, frozen connection going into your house? Or is it a more general outage? I've asked John Paul to get on to Irish Water to see if they have any reports from the Kilbrin area. But in the meantime, we'll give a shout out. Is there anybody living in the Kilbrin area? Do you have water and have you had water for the last two days? Because if everybody else in the area has water, then it's obviously an issue at your house. Uh, 0818103103. We're going to talk movies with Mark Malone and that's next. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Some suggestions of movies to watch this weekend. Mark Malone uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. You're very welcome. Okay, you watch two movies, The Menu and also the new Pinocchio movie. Let's start with a trailer from The Menu. Is that going to fit everyone? Easily. 12 customers total. Welcome to Hawthorne. This is insane. Who are you? Why do you care? This entire evening has been painstakingly planned. We're going to die to lose. You were not a part of that plan. Are you with us or with them? Get out of my way. Now, this is uh, what's it, a horror con- thriller? Yeah, it's a bit of everything, actually, yeah. Um, and comedy thrown in. And Yeah. People, actually, some of the reviews I read, people kept talking about how funny it was. Uh, I didn't really think it was that funny. There are a couple of funny moments in it, yeah, yeah. But it's kind of a horror movie, yeah. It's better you don't really know too much about it before you watch it, I think. And okay. I, I, I had to... I did think twice about maybe playing that little trailer there, but um, but yeah, it's all it's all to do with fine dining. How do you, how how are you when it comes to fine dining? By the way? I, I'm not a fan because if you go to say something like a Michelin star restaurant, they hate me because I'm vegetarian. Uh, oh, right. And then I always find with fine dining. There's not enough food on the plate. It's all a load of all nonsense, really, yeah, isn't it? I you, mean, come you, on, let's yeah, face it. Yeah, you come, you come out hungry, I have to say. <laughs> you spend an awful lot of money to get a little bit of steak, which you, you want, under a pea, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and, a, and a flower. Exactly. Oh. See, edible, I don't do edible flowers. Edible flowers. What a load yeah, of odd nonsense yeah. it is, you know what I mean? It looks so, nice, but I won't eat it. Well, that's the thing, yeah. I mean, this guy was at Salt Bay in, in England where, you know, his steaks are like two grand or something. Yeah, yeah. And I remember giving out about it one night, actually, and my daughter turned to me and said, look... Not while d- dining there, obviously. Uh, what do you mean? You, you said you remember giving out about it at 2000. Oh, no. <laughs> not while dining. I have not I been. To, I need to throw that in. I have not been to Salt Bay. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. I n- never will. And I w- but I was giving out about it at home, and uh, my daughter turned to me and she said, look, Dad, 
I think she called me Mark, actually. Uh, she said, look, if rich people are dumb enough to pay that kind of money, then it's not his fault. She's a wise, wi- a wise young woman. Yeah, <laughs> and I thought, okay, yeah, exactly. So this is really about uh, a chef who's one of these chefs. He's one of these fine dining chefs. And you go to his island and you spend huge amounts of money eating ridiculous food. At one stage, for example, they're eating this kind of food that's infused with uh, algae. And uh, the woman says, what, pond scum? Thanks very much indeed. Yeah. You know, so a lot of it that, it's, it's a whole load of old nonsense. And uh, in fact, the writers, when they came to uh, write the script for this, uh, there was two things that made them write the story. First of all, they went to uh, a very, very posh restaurant on an island in Bergen in Norway. And they realized that you go to the island and you can't leave until you have finished your meal. And they kind of thought, well, that's kind of interesting. What if you go to an interesting island? Interesting concept. Yeah, yeah, and you're not yeah. allowed to leave. Uh, also with that, they also went to a very, very, there was a time uh, a few, some years back, there was a very posh restaurant in New York, which again, it was all about the experience. So let's say you had uh, 10 courses. It wasn't just simply about the food. It was about what happened around you. The and people would spend People would spend huge amounts of money to re- eat this ridiculous food. Do you know what I mean? And so that's basically what this is all about. Ray Fiennes plays uh, the chef here. And he's a world-renowned chef, and uh, he is putting on this meal. And the only people who can afford it are incredibly rich people. Uh, John Leguizamo, for example, plays uh, this um, this actor who's kind of his career is kind of on the wane, and he's a bit kind of arrogant. He says he based it on Steven Seagal because he said he he worked with Steven Seagal once, and he said he was the most horrible human being he'd ever met in his life. So that's who he based kind of the character around it. And a lot of the people at the meal are people with whom he's, uh, the, um, Ray Fiennes has had kind of relationships with uh, in the past, which have kind of broken down. And so as the meal progresses... So he's uh, got a grudge against them. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, there are 12 of them in the restaurant. So that's another bit of a clue there. See, I'm trying to be very, very careful. Here I know, because you don't, I don't want, want to give away Because I don't much, want yeah. to give away... But as yeah. the... As the as the kind of p- the ridiculous courses kind of progress, uh, you know, there are more and more surprises uh, as we begin to learn more about th- the people uh, at uh, the restaurant. Uh, it was very, very entertaining, I have to admit. Personally, I would have liked if, if it had been a little bit kind of more satirical. If, say, for example, it was just about a satire, about how ridiculous fine dining is, I think that would have been terrific. Or, uh, in this case, I think if they had gone completely the other way and had been a completely kind of very expensive visit a horror movie I think it would have been more successful it's kind of style over substance like a lot of the food you eat in these fine dining yeah, restaurants yeah. unfortunately but all the all the performances are, are great it's, pro- it's produced by Will Ferrell actually which kind of uh, surprised me but uh, Ray Fiennes is great Anna Taylor-Joy is absolutely wonderful in the film Nicholas Holt is terrific as well everybody is it is for adults and um, I don't want to give too much more away but yeah. I did enjoy well, it worth the watch oh, and I, I would recommend yeah, it very much okay. in detail mark it out of 10 I'll give it 8 8 out of 10 now the second well, this is the new Pinocchio. Well, there was a Pinocchio that came out. I only reviewed it a couple of months back. Yeah. Do you remember that was Disney's Pinocchio with um, Tom Hanks. Well, yes. Yeah. And it well, was that, this is a different one. Yeah, that was a kind of a live action uh, kind yeah. of version of P- yeah. Pinocchio. It was it was very very heavily criticised. I seem to be the only person in the world who actually thought the film was actually kind of sweet and kind of cute. And uh, you know, but then there's a lot of people out there, you know, a lot of bearded men between the ages of 30, 40 uh, who hate everything Disney has to offer at the moment, uh, especially because of what they consider they've done to Star Wars. Um, and I'm not one of those people. I actually thought it was kind of sweet. Uh, but I was certainly looking forward to this because Guillermo del Toro 
has done some extraordinary work in the past. So you knew if it was made by him, it was going to be darker. It was going to be a little bit more serious and it wasn't be as, going to be as playful as uh, I think uh, the, the Disney version. Uh, this is uh, stop motion. And I love stop motion. I love Wallace and Gromit. I love Shaun the Sheep. I love all of oh, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And the reason yeah. I love it is because it gives a kind of a sense of kind of a reality to what you're watching yeah. because it's not done on paper. It's not done on the computer. It's actually there and it's real. And the puppet is real. And in fact, what, what I thought they were going to probably do was have these puppets, move the puppets, obviously, every frame and film it. Um, but then I thought they would animate the, 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 the eyes and the mouth, which would have been kind of the, the, the easier thing to do. But actually, what they did was they developed a puppet which had about a hundred faces. They actually had a hundred different faces for every slightly different um, expression and that's the kind of detail that's gone into this. It's, it's extraordinary. It's an incredible craft isn't it? Uh, it's yeah. absolutely. To, 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 to be able to take a little, what is basically a doll, move it a fraction, take a shot, move a frame, take yeah. a shot yeah. and then to, I think, I don't uh, know, I mean is it 36 frames? Or hours. Yes, exactly. And there's a beautiful. Uh, actually, after we watched the film, I watched it with my daughter, and she absolutely adored it as well. And the thing is, is that um, if you go on, it's on Netflix, by the way. And if you go on Netflix, uh, there is a kind of behind-the-scenes kind of featurette about it. And there's this ex extraordinary sequence where the camera, obviously, uh, filmed maybe at a kind of a frame a second, and you see glimpses of the animators working the dolls, whilst the dolls are actually animating at the same time. It's extraordinarily beautiful, as this is. Some of the dolls in this are actually quite odd looking though it should be uh, it should be pointed out um but i thought it was absolutely terrific um you've got is it for children it's a little darker it is pg okay. but like but, but i think i mentioned uh, the disney film there were a couple of uh, moments in that which i thought would might be a bit too scary for kids yeah uh, it is here because basically what Guillermo del toro has done instead of it being kind of based in the 1800s he's actually uh, um, decided to base it in 1930s italy Okay. at a time of uh, Benito Mussolini, who is featured in this film as a, as a very, very tiny man. Because, uh, Guillermo obviously knew what he was doing here. He was trying to undermine uh, you know, the legacy of uh, Mussolini. So you're talking that. about the start of fascism and uh, very all that. And, and that is part of, uh, of this. But look, it's a delightful film. I think the kids will still love it. Um, you've got David Bradley plays the... David Bradley was the janitor, by the way, in, um, in Harry Potter, you might remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he plays yeah. The, the part of Geppetto here. Young man, Gregory Mann, plays uh, the part of Pinocchio. Um, what's interesting, there's a there's a monkey in the film actually and um, and <laughs> the very funny thing is that th it's voiced uh, by Kate Blanchett and there's no he doesn't say anything he just makes noises but <laughs> Kate Blanchett was so desperate to work with Guillermo del Toro he said look I've she got made the, the noises uh, yeah I've got this monkey but it has no lines do you want to do it she said yeah um, everybody's terrific great cast Ron Perlman's also in it Tilda Swinton absolutely terrific it is beautiful to look at it is absolutely beautiful it really is it's a bit long um, but I still think that uh, the kids would love it and, and uh, it, as and you say Netflix it. and well worth watching the behind the scenes uh, program uh, so. to it as well okay so mark that out of 10 I'll give it nine Nine out of ten. Okay, and my apologies. Earlier, I was jumping the gun. I thought you were talking Christmas movies. You're going to be doing Christmas movies next Friday. We'll do it next Friday. In yeah. the final one of the week. Thank you. Final one of the year. Thanks for that, Mark. Have a lovely weekend, and we'll chat again uh, next week. That's Mark Malone, our movie review. That's where I leave you for today and for this week. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Whit Richards with you for the afternoon. Talk to you Monday at 10. For today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie